representation in the world of venture capital and why that's so important now. We also look at Kenya's falling foreign exchange reserves and the Bank of Ghana's interest rate decision. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Dong. In quarter two of 2022, startups in Africa have raised 2.3 times, that is about 1.25% more year-on-year, the amount that they had raised the year before. Meanwhile, funding has declined by 29% year-on-year globally, with the US, Asia and Europe all recording a decline in high 20s, and Latin America registering a 69% year-on-year freefall. Now, while Africa has her work cut out for her in the coming quarters, systematic and structural issues in ecosystems across the continent need to be addressed. Sud Haider, tech editor at Mwango Capital, joins us for this episode. Why is it so critical to have representation in venture capital, especially in the African context? So I think the first thing is representation. And, you know, this is not uh, uh, an issue unique to Kenya. Uh, If you look at the US, there's an issue of representation. So people of color, uh, including black people, are underrepresented in in certain sectors, finance, uh, technology leadership. And uh, when it comes to finance, so when you're looking at early stage financing, which is venture capital and angel investment, there's lack of representation uh, generally in the industry. And what's happening is the market is reorienting itself uh, with uh, some mechanisms of affirmative action. So this has been done at a private sector level. Um, I don't know. And there's probably some government or local government policy as well to include people of color. And I've seen this in parts of Europe, especially in, in, in the UK. But there is that call for more representation. Now, in the case of Africa as well, we don't have enough representation when people are making decisions. I mean, someone is making a decision on what to fund based on a pitch deck. They have no clue how Nairobi works. They don't know anyone in Nairobi and probably the people that they know in Nairobi is, you know, people who went to school with them of the same color. And, you know, these are expats living in Nairobi and the expat uh, interpretation of Nairobi is a very different from your, your average Nairobian. So you can see now where if you don't have representation, then, you know, things kind of fall through the cracks. You know, facts might be misconstrued or visions, plans and strategy might be misconstrued. Um, mistranslated or misrepresented. Now, by having adequate representation with people who actually know about the market, they can add in that extra level of local knowledge, that extra level of checks and balances and saying, or, and some things are just cultural, right? It's very, it's very, and culture is very difficult to quantify. Right? It's very qualitative. It's very soft and everything else. And you know, you, someone who actually understands the local market and local buying habits will easily look into some plans and say, yeah, this doesn't quite make sense because people in this area do this. this, this. Oh, I grew up there. And I, these are my people. This, this is how the market um, reacts. This is how people go to the market to consume uh, products. So this plan is not going to work. You kind of have, you're going to need to change it and whatnot. So representation matters. Representation matters because when a VC makes a decision, it's usually through an investor committee and the committee kind of votes. But by, ha- by having local knowledge represented in, in those decision-making tables would ensure that at least you have another, another layer of checks and balances. And that could potentially at least 
make decisions that would divert that money to actually more sustainable businesses or more deserving entrepreneurs for that uh, uh, for that matter. So one thing is representation. Let's talk about enabling policy and knowledge transfer and how transformative this can be for the different ecosystems. Second thing is policy. Now, our governments need to kind of really look into how best to structure these uh, uh, policies and legislation to enable, you know, more native entrepreneurs uh, to be able to to, to thrive. And, uh, and it, it comes in at two levels. There's the one at the local level, but also now when it comes to foreign policy and strategic relationships and whatnot. If you look at what, what the development focus of a country like Kenya has been, it's been on an infrastructure, infrastructure binge and a debt-fueled infrastructure binge over the last 20, 20 years and more so over the last 10 years. Uh, but nowhere through you know, in, in, in this development plans is the issue of knowledge transfer put in place or capital transfer. Okay, fine. We have capital transfer in the form of debt going into infrastructure. But you have all these young entrepreneurs, you have all these young students and your young population in universities and uh, technical institutions um, getting knowledge and you're not building enough Jobs and you know one of the easiest ways to build jobs is to get knowledge transfer on an emergent sector of the economy through bilateral relations or good relationship with with other governments, uh, making sure that your students are up to par, making sure that they're investing as well in your country and putting in um, uh, a setting up shop so that you can hire they can hire the best people and there's knowledge transfer coming back to the to the local economy. I mean, we're seeing bits of it happening with Google and Amazon uh, in Africa, especially in Kenya and Microsoft, but it's not happening at a fast enough scale to take advantage of the talent that's within the region. Uh, we've got very young people, people are connected to the, uh, to the internet, and there's a whole new genre and cadre of, uh, of, of professionals that our governments don't really know what to do. And, you know, uh, and I think the world, the world is moving. Infrastructure is important. And don't, don't get me wrong. But I think that we are, we are seeing, especially with like with a creative economy and, 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 and technology, is the world is moving fast beyond just having trains, roads and uh, piped water and whatnot. And, 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 and this is the other question now that we need to put forward to our leaders, uh, especially in, in uh, in 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 democratic or semi-democratic states or we, in which we we live in, at least there is that uh, you know there is we do elect MPs, we do elect local represent, representatives or councillors, whatever you want to call them. And so these are the things that we need to push our leaders uh, and policymakers, uh, at least at the legislative level, to be able to push for, but also call government into account. Is like, okay, fine, it's good having all these visions and whatnot. But how are we prepared for this new economy of which startups and these young entrepreneurs are part of? And what is the government doing for them? That was Sud Haider, tech editor at Mwango Capital. And a quick look at the other stories making it into the podcast. The European Union has been challenged to shift its perception of the African market amid its crumble 
with China for trading and investing grounds. In a survey dubbed Clash of Systems conducted by the Interregion Economic Network, China is edging out Europe as a major trading partner and investor, mainly in areas of large infrastructure projects and exploitation of raw materials. Chinese firms have dominated infrastructure construction projects in Africa. In 2020, nearly one-third of infrastructure projects worth at least 50 million U.S. dollars were built by Chinese companies. Speaking during the launch of the report, Friedrich Newman director Stefan Short said that Europe's romantic view of Africa and its superiority belief in values contrasts the practical view of the continent on performance. The practical view of Africans has seen the Chinese market gain more ground in the African market over the years, therefore outlining the general outlook of the competitive nature between the European Union and China. The survey rates China highly with regard to quick decision-making and timely project completion. China has an approval rate of 75.2% over Europe, which is at 55.8%. On project completion time, China is still rated higher at 81.1% compared to a 69.4% of the European Union. Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have dropped below East Africa's set threshold of 4.5 months of import cover, exposing the country to high volatility in the global market. The last weekly bulletin by the Central Bank of Kenya shows the country's reserve dropped by $0.23 billion in the week ended July 2022 from $7.95 billion reported the previous week. This despite the country receiving $253.6 million as part of IMF's cushion fund approved in April last year. Although the current reserves are representative of 4.46 months of the country's import demand and meets the Central Bank of Kenya's set threshold of four months of import cover, they are below the prescribed 4.5 months cover recommended by the East African Community Convergence Criteria. The Apex Bank said the usable foreign exchange remains adequate, but failed to give reasons for the drop. The shrinking of the country's foreign exchange reserve is likely to pile more pressure on a weakening shilling and constrained importers who have complained of low trade due to dollar supply. Now, the Bank of Ghana kept its main interest rate unchanged at 19% at its July 25th meeting, saying it is appropriate to pause and observe the impact of the recent monetary policy measures already taken. The bank has increased its prime lending rate by 550 basis points since the end of last year, aiming to curb high inflation. The central bank also mentioned a deceleration in inflation and concerns over economic growth. Ghana's annual inflation rate accelerated for the 13th consecutive month to 29.8% in June of 2022, reaching the highest level since December of 2003. And a quick look at the markets. Cocoa futures on the International Commodity Exchange remain close to the eight-month low level of $2,350 per ton as traders weighed prospects of lower supplies and weaker demand. Data from Ivory Coast government shows that farmers sent a total of 2.35 million metric tons of cocoa to Ivory Coast ports from October 1st to July 17th, up 0.4% compared to the same period last year. On the demand side, major chocolate companies stated that customers are cutting back on chocolate due to rising living costs in major economies, including the US and Europe. Meanwhile, cocoa grinders in Europe rose 2% from a year earlier in the second quarter to 364,000 tons. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, 
visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial. And you can find me at With Adon.